Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Product Coalition European Tour podcast. Um, today I'm really excited to be joined by Alexandra Chalbaturu in Copenhagen. Welcome Alexandra. Hello. Great to have you join me. Uh, apologies this isn't face-to-face as we originally planned, um, but I'm sure it's going to be a great recording session no matter what. I'm very, very excited to, to meet you Jay and I look forward to our discussion. Brilliant, thank you. Now, um, first of all, before we get stuck into the podcast episode, I do need to give a a thanks. You see, this episode and the whole European tour was all dedicated to raising awareness and support by the bushfire-affected communities and wildlife in Australia. Now, I can certainly say that those communities uh, are feeling even more pain due to the lack of tourism um, by the coronavirus that's hit the world. Now, so if you do enjoy this episode, please show your support for some amazing Causes, which is the Volunteer Firefighters National Bushfire Fund and the Wildlife of Australia uh, over at bushfire.productcoalition.com. If you want to know more about the original tour plans, you can head over to tour.productcoalition.com. The original plan was to visit five cities across Europe and interview over 50 leaders. Unfortunately, due to the change of circumstances, I'll now be conducting hopefully 50 more um, podcasts for you all, but they'll be remotely for now on. So if you've just discovered the Product Coalition, welcome. We're a global product community with over 500,000 readers, 6,000 Slack members and thousands of podcast listeners. You can head to platform.productcoalition.com to find out more. Now there's a couple of significant donors to the Bushfire fundraiser that I'd like to give some thanks to. First up is UserPilot. UserPilot is a code for a user onboarding and adoption tool designed especially for product management teams. UserPilot helps to increase conversion, user retention rates and reduce churn by guiding new users to the first aha moment with interactive walkthroughs, contextual product tours and onboarding checklists. It allows product managers to build fully customizable, behavior-triggered in-app experiences with a simple visual editor. Go to userpilot.com to book your demo and get a free trial. Shobit Chug is the intentional product manager. Shobit's a Google product manager and he helps product managers become product leaders and have careers they can be proud of. Head to www.intentionalproductmanager.com and sign up for Shobit's free class on the habits that turn product managers into exceptional product leaders and help them move through their careers fast. Product-led teams like Mixpanel and Flexport know that the best time to capture engagement is when a user is already inside the product. That's why they use Chameleon to drive feature adoption, build onboarding flows and gather user feedback. You can give it a go at trychameleon.com forward slash success. I'd also like to thank two individuals, Rich Miranoff and Chris Miles for their donations. So Alex, this episode, back to basics, how product management, how product roles shape a startup. I'm looking forward to, to chatting through with you. Likewise, likewise. Um, before we get started, Alex, on, 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 on topic, do you mind talking us through um, your career background, your path to product? Yes, yes. Um, well, I'm uh, first of all very excited to talk to you, Jay. I've been uh, listening to your podcast for a few months now, and uh, I must say that they have been quite important in my uh, in my career because I decided to move into product just a few months ago, um, and I took it very seriously. So I uh, researched and read a lot about uh, different uh, product strategies and frameworks and so on, and I discovered your podcast very, very soon after. And uh, I find it a a good source of inspiration. So thank you for doing this. And obviously you you have some great guests um, that we can all learn from. And uh, I do want to make one comment there that compared to your uh, very experienced guests, 
I have less experience in product, but uh, I'm very ambitious to learn. So uh, I'm super excited to talk to you about how we use uh, the product role here in uh, the startup community in Copenhagen. Um, I, um, I started my career in sales, business development more specifically. Um, I'm originally from Romania, but I moved to Denmark almost five years ago to study at uh, the business school here in Copenhagen. And after I graduated, I moved into a team lead role um, within business development. So for um, around uh, three years, I've worked with uh, prospecting and um, discussing with potential clients about the um, um, reasons for why they should buy the software we were selling. Um, I've worked mostly in tech, and now I work for a startup called Novorizme, a web application uh, for the career service industry. So what we do is that we build the CVs and cover letters online, and uh, you as a user can download it. We, are, we have a free and a premium version. And uh, right now we have 3.5 million users. And uh, as I've joined recently, um, I think, and I hope that I, uh, I managed to shape a bit the structure of the organization to be able to support the future growth of the company. Right now, we're only eight people full-time, um, and we work cross-departmental, and we do our best to um, service our users. And um, I think that's, that's, that's one of the key parts of, of my role. I need to make sure that all teams communicate and are able to organize their work to service those users. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. It's a great entry into product and um, certainly, uh, you know, coming from business development into product is, is not a common path. So um, I congratulate you for coming in um, through that, that approach. Um, can I ask what, what, what were some of the opening difficulties of making that transition into product for you? Um, well, I must mention that uh, while I was working in business development, we had this idea of um, organizing sprints for cross-departmental projects. So not just development, but, but different units of the business. And that was a very interesting experience because um, we soon figured that we actually need somebody to know the Scrum framework, for example, or look more into the agile methodology to be able to support uh, teams working in different business units um, to work together in the end. And for that, I've actually done a, a Scrum Master certification last year. And that's how I, I managed to understand um, more the product sphere and how actually the role supports uh, tech development. Um, and I think that was um, one of the reasons why when I was offered this opportunity, when I was brought in the company, I thought it would be the next, uh, the next step for me. Um, I found it very, very interesting being able to communicate with all the stakeholders that are actually developing the product within the company. And trying to prioritize um, projects and tasks based on user feedback, not based on something that we think might be successful in two years, but something that people want now. And if you offer it to them in six months, they would be very happy to pay for it. I think that was one of the key, um, the key well, challenges and also uh, understandings that made me move. Fantastic. Fantastic. That's great. And, um, could you tell me a bit, a bit about, uh, you know, what, what, what is the day to day? I think you said eight per people in a startup. What, yeah. what does day to day for you uh, in in that size of business look like? Um, originally, I was brought in to help the development team. We have three uh, developers and one remote developer in Spain, and uh, we have uh, many innovation projects or ideas we think we can do. Um, the business was built in four years and um, most of the knowledge is, um, is um, well gathered into our CEO's uh, 
right mind because he built the entire infrastructure. Um, and now he's also the main developer, still helping um, the upcoming team uh, to, to take over some of the core business. Um, and I was brought in to help them organize the backlog. Uh, we have one uh, main revenue stream, but we have three uh, potential new revenue streams. And knowing that there is potential, knowing that people would buy, knowing that career services are is an industry that keeps evolving and digitalization plays a big, big role uh, in it. How can we put all those ideas together? How can we use the knowledge we get? How can we use the knowledge we discover every day to um, work and put our efforts in the right direction? And that was basically why I was brought in and what uh, what I started with. Um, I organized the team um, um, to use, for example, Jira, which was something that I found um, quite easy to use um, for small teams. If you use the next-gen version, there's a classic and a next-gen version. And I think for startups, the more minimalistic version is better. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, it also doesn't add too much complexity and, and really helps uh, teams uh, organize their work. Um, and after that, um, we had to prioritize the backlog. Um, there were so many issues that um, I don't really remember how many post-its we put together. Um, it took us probably two weeks to finalize that. And, uh, and after we started uh, looking at tasks and the subtasks, we realized that we actually have a pretty nice idea of, uh, of what needs to be prioritized. Um, so we started by doing that. And soon after, after a few weeks, um, I started working with my, my colleagues in uh, marketing and, uh, and design to support this development because whatever we want to do, we need to have the rest of the business units working together. Um, and that's also where I, uh, I became involved managing and organizing that. Um, what we, what we mostly do, um, is that we experiment any new business idea. Um, we don't look at it just from the development perspective, which is of course very, very important, but we also look at uh, resources because we're, we're few, so we don't really have the uh, capability of a large uh, company or a scale-up to get two developers for a month and try this idea out. Um, so actually what we do is that we use an experimentation framework. Uh, we create a structure and uh, we have very few steps. Uh, we start by uh, writing functionalities. We develop a mock-up. It usually takes a day. Um, we put that mock-up online and we ask for user feedback, real user feedback. And then after we have the real user feedback and their opinions, we move on to have an MVP that we test then with very few users online to find any bugs. And after that, uh, that process is done, we move on to production. And we realize, uh, we actually, we plan um, also timeline-wise, when can we put this in our roadmap? Where, where, should it, uh, where should it start? Where should it end? What do we think about it? It's, a, it's, a, it's teamwork. We, we, we all discuss it. And um, I might bring the structure, but everybody knows that they, have a, a piece, they are a piece of the puzzle. Um, so we're very transpa- transparent about it. You mentioned um, bringing a prototype uh, to, to customers in, in a day from sort of hypothesis development. Could, could you talk a little bit about the tools um, and technologies you use to get that done that rapidly? Um, yeah, actually, we use the, you mentioned user pilot, I think. We're using uh, user testing. And um, I think uh, they're in the same uh, the same branch, if I'm not mistaken. Um, we put our mockups online. I think we use uh, Adobe XD for that, and uh, we we put them online and uh, we follow users' uh, journey by um, uh, recording their screen. That's okay. part of the 
of the, the, the program that we're using. Um, and most of the questions are um, reply out loud. So tell us what you see. Tell us what do you think this button should do. Um, tell us if you feel it's not the right color. Tell us anything. And I must say I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, we did a test in uh, in January for a new business idea. And we targeted um, US, uh, UK, and India, um, as those are some of our core um, user base. Um, and we got so much feedback from only interviewing a couple of a couple of users because um, obviously the process itself takes at least half an hour to go through through the journey and listen to the feedback so we couldn't do too many <laughs> interviews um, but we did a couple and we we had so much feedback and very relevant even the fact that the text itself um, is written uh, maybe too uh, formal might make somebody like to take them away from trying out your product. And that was great feedback because we talk with a certain audience and we need to understand that what we're doing serves them and not somebody else. Um, and I think that if our main target tells us this is too formal, I, I understand, but why do you need to say it like this? I think that's that's great feedback. And when, when you're completing those interview sessions, how are you capturing and synthesizing the feedback to, to make sense of it and grab meaningful decisions out of that? Yeah. Um, I use a, a, a very easy framework myself, um, either in Excel or I use some other note tools. And uh, we look for, uh, well, business viability, first of all, did the person understand why um, this would be a product? Uh, would they pay for it? Um, and would they feel that uh, this is something that the market doesn't serve yet? And um, we try to ask some questions um, in the beginning, like for example, for any new product, um, you could ask something like, have you seen something similar before? It's a very easy question, but some people might say no, and some people might say no, but there is this service that I use that does almost the same thing. So if I wouldn't know about you, I would just go the other way just because it would serve me the same purpose. So that gives us the understanding that maybe we didn't define the purpose right, for example. So we, we, deep, uh, we dig quite deep into some of, those, uh, some of those questions. And if we have unclarities ourselves, we do it again. We go back and we ask uh, a new question or a new set of questions uh, focused on that part of the, of the flow that we didn't really understand. And we get uh, even more feedback. And um, we, of course, look at uh, who answers um, what are the uh, percentages of users that understood versus that didn't. People tell us uh, when they... Um, when they discuss with us, um, of course, it's everything anonymous, but they could tell us, for example, that they're PhD students. And this for them makes a lot of sense because I don't have time to go into business courses. That's great. We didn't think about PhD students as our main audience, but yet there is somebody here who might find this very, very, very useful. Um, so we could think about the strategy to serve that base of users. Brilliant. Can I ask, how, how do you source who to interview? Are these all existing customers or prospective new customers? And how do you go out and grab them and get them engaged mm -hmm. to want to do this type of session? Mm -hmm. um, we do not, uh, we do, not uh, do any sort of testing with current customers because everything is an anonymous. Uh, but we do source our audience based on different criteria. Uh, one of them is our main um, revenue uh, base. For example, some, most of our paying customers come from uh, United States and English, uh, native English-speaking countries such as Australia, New Zealand, UK, Canada. 
So we um, actually developed this year a, um, a strategy where we focused on tiers. So we have tier one, tier two, tier three, and we have different criteria for each of them. One of them being native English speakers because our main product um, and currently only product is um, in English. Uh, we have the uh, some of the landing pages translated, but the editor itself, it's in English. So it matters that you feel very comfortable. Obviously, most of the people that are uh, using us, if not all of them, um, they speak English as a second, third language. But um, we do feel a difference in, um, in the way users interact. They're faster to buy. They're faster to give us feedback. Um, and for that purpose, we put them into this uh, category of, let's say, in native English speakers. It can be any other category, but it needs to make sense for, for our current product. Um, and that's one way to, to, to sort it. Um, then we look at the uh, new upcoming countries. For example, we have Germany as a very big European country um, where um, maybe not as surprising, um, people know English, but they prefer German. And knowing that, how can we serve them better? Um, we made um, an experiment and uh, we decided that we want to change um, to upgrade our uh, some of our landing pages in German and we already see a lot of traction from that because mm -hmm. we know it's not that they don't want to use the service it's just that if it if you would speak to me in German first I might try it more than if I see another English um, probably American company because mm -hmm. nobody checks where the company comes from um, so, so those small um, pieces of knowledge that you gather from asking your users, what do you think about this, are very important because we do want to feel close to uh, our, our loyal users. Um, the same happens for um, countries such as the Netherlands and so on. We will not translate the website in a month for all, or all countries, but we could easily add some sort of, of added value to them, knowing that it will make a difference for some of those users. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you for sharing sharing so much. Now, now you mentioned at the start um, coming in um, as, as a product role and how that shapes a, a startup. Could, could you talk to me a little bit more around how your product role, and it sounds like you've got a founder CEO uh, there, how your product has, has worked in changing the shape of the organisation? Yeah. Um, I think one important um, point to make here is that we're all very young in the company. And uh, we all have, we're all, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I, we're all talented and we, we look forward to, to do a great job. But it does matter if you've worked before in a company that had a more structured approach to business. And I think um, the reason why I feel and I think my colleagues would agree that we, we see a difference in structure ever since I joined as a product owner is because um, I've worked almost five years in structuring sales, which is hard because um, obviously you need to make sure that there's a certain quota that's, uh, that's reached, that you bring the right people with the right skills, especially um, soft skills and um, and so on at the table. And knowing that um, you have to make frameworks for everything, at least this is how I worked before. So the first thing I did was that I made a framework. Um, should we meet every month and just discuss um, the numbers of the company? Why, why not be very transparent about it and say, hey guys, we almost reached 3 million people. That is, ama that is amazing. 3 million people have been on our website. Um, for a small company in Copenhagen, that's really incredible because we we, we, we have no investment everything is bootstrapped. So um, all of those small wins um, or big wins, depending on how you see them, they should be celebrated and discussed. Um, so 
I think the first thing um, I I would emphasize is structure. And this is something that I, I was really um, keeping an eye on. So let's have a framework for how we give feedback. Let's have a framework for how we do experiments. Let's have a framework for how we organize our meetings. Uh, we don't want to have too many meetings, but we should have one big one monthly meeting, for example, discussing all of this, uh, all of this uh, updates. Um, I've also made a um, yearly goal for 2020. That's quite ambitious compared to what uh, what happened before, and that is because we realized that the more you bring people on board and the more you train them, and this is something that the company really invests in training their employees, um, the more you should see um, some sort of uh, impact on the way efficiency increases you become better at understanding if this actually is worth your five hours a day or can you give it two hours and then get some sort of feedback and move on with another project. In the beginning, you might want to do it all, but I think we've learned that uh, we want to do all, but we shouldn't do all because we do not have um, we do not have time and resource to invest in all the great ideas, but we should, of course, sort two or three that have also business viability and in time can provide more value. It sounds like you're making a lot of small bit bets very rapidly, um, empowering you to innovate at, at speed without overcommitting on any given proposition. C- could you tell me a little bit about how, um, for success of any proposition or feature or new product, it's going to come back to the metrics and how they're performing. It sounds like you're quite tight around sharing metrics and performance of, of the products. Could you talk to me a little bit about what that looks like? Yeah. Um, well, when we do any sort of uh, experiment or when we plan anything, I make an analysis. So I open an Excel spreadsheet and I put some numbers on. <laughs> and those numbers are, um, well, averages of what happened in the previous years. Um, I look at the uh, growth rates and I look at uh, what the industry says about what's going to happen in the next years. For example, career service industry is becoming more and more digitalized, as I've mentioned before. Mm. So the impact on, for example, um, moving on to having a video CV, it's something that everybody talks about. The reality of how fast companies will implement that, for example, it's different. So are we going to focus all of our resources in building a video CV or should we focus on building a different sort of revenue stream that makes more sense right now? And, and that is part of, uh, of analyzing and adding uh, numbers and predictions together. Um, I do the same when, um, when we discuss the impact of our small changes. For example, uh, we have uh, OKRs as our um, framework for um, reaching our goals. Um, so we have a yearly business goal for the company, uh, but we have quarterly OKRs. Every three months, we have new OKRs, um, objectives and key results. Um, It's a framework made famous uh, by Google, but it exists in the 70s, if I'm not mistaken, or 80s. And uh, it focuses around the um, uh, delivery of measurable key results while keeping in mind the big objective for, for the year or for the quarter. We try to uh, cascade our uh, objective and key results from our business goals, but they don't need to be the same. They doesn't need to be the same objective copy pasted into a quarter, but it should of course uh, help and support the um, company goals for the year. And uh, so far we have uh, divided our work into uh, squads or teams um, and each of the squads and, and teams um, or teams have the, the name that is um, connected either with the project or with the business unit. So, for example, we have a marketing squad and then we have a squad related to one of the development projects. And in those, um, in those teams, you have the people, of course, that are 
part of it. Um, I'm mostly um, participating and, and joining all of them as a um, as a support, basically, for, for management and for, for um, looking over the uh, backlog and the business part. And um, what we do is that we we meet every month and we discuss those OKRs in our monthly meeting as well. So in December, we said that January will look like this. Right now, it looks like this. What do you guys think? Um, it's a very transparent and open uh, discussion, and everybody shares their challenges or their prediction. Um, also, because each of the members of, of those squads, they are focused on their part. So they do know what should happen, or they, they think they know what should happen. So we are just very, um, very open and discussing it together. And now, for example, we're approaching the end of, uh, of the quarter. So we will uh, have a, another meeting to prepare for the next quarter and also to um, assess if what we planned, first of all, was achieved. And if it was not achieved, why wasn't it? Was it too, um, I don't know, did we, did we not look at the business enough? Did we um, think that one idea was just uh, our first love and we couldn't give it up, so we just went with it, even though nobody was really sure about it, um, and so on. So we, we kind of, we, we always have to have this feedback session where we are discussing why did we put this here in the beginning and why do we think it didn't work. Brilliant. Thank you. It's great to hear um, some of the tactics and strategies that you're using to increase the team performance there as, as well. Um, it's, you know, with three and a half million users worldwide it sounds like you're going from from startup to scale up now could you talk to me a little bit around what's shifting for you um, between the, the startup mindset and uh, a growth mindset now yeah well first of all uh, one of the the challenges i think most startups have is when it takes off what do you first do do you make sure that your core business um stands and continues to grow or do you innovate in the same time and i actually think there's some place in between where there is a perfect balance. Um, I'm not sure how you reach it fast or very efficiently, but it must exist. Um, so what I try to do uh, as a product uh, person in a, in a small startup is to balance those two approaches. We need to make sure that our core business continues to grow and continues to give value, which is why we also invest in adding features, in working with innovation within the core, the core business while doing um, the other um, innovation on product. For example, we have a, a decent uh, platform that we've created um, that we hopefully want to, want to launch soon. Um, we're in testing mode now and we want to make sure that when that goes live, it will serve the right people with the right uh, features. So we, we just need to um, fix maybe some bugs or maybe add some small features that would make it close to perfect, at least for the, the stage that we're at. And to do that, uh, we just need to balance our work very much, um, very well, sorry. Uh, we, uh, we discuss it openly, as I've mentioned before, but we also work with um, dividing our time into percentages. And it might seem a bit odd, but what we do is that I go to the development team and I say, can you give me 20% of your time for this project per week? Yes or no? If you say no, okay, I need to rethink this. Um, can you give me 10%? What can I do with 10% in order to be able to innovate on other um, lines of business as well? 
And if I get a yes, I start uh, planning, uh, as I've mentioned, the experimentation framework, functionality, and so on. And then I go into the final stage where I actually need a developer and, uh, and try to test that idea and see uh, real feedback. And if that goes well, we will then prioritize, okay, can we get 30% now for this to move it into production? If I get a yes, then that's great. If I get a no, then I need to discuss again with the management, okay, what is the best approach? And sometimes we don't know, so we take a week break and we say, let's uh, get back to this in a week because there's so much we can uh, know and say now, we just need to think about it. And uh, I think so far that worked out well. Brilliant, brilliant. Thank you. Alexandra, I know you're a big participant in the community as well. Um, could you talk to me a, a little bit about what you're doing in that space um, with regards to, I know, um, women in product, um, women in tech, um, etc., and what's going on in the community space in Copenhagen? Yeah. So uh, the tech community in Copenhagen has a, a great, a great ecosystem. We uh, we have some big tech events like Tech Barbecue Tech Festival in the autumn, and uh, I'm always uh, joining either as a moderator of panels or, or contributor, because I think that representativeness is a very important uh, part of, of working in, in product and tech. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I do it. And the other reason, of course, is because you always get inspired by the amount of knowledge uh, you can gather in one place. And that is honestly a, a great feeling to know that we, sorry, that we have the space and the communities to support each other. Um, we actually, um, we will participate. Uh, it was not my idea, but it was uh, a great, great invitation from, uh, from another product manager, um, Deepa from Copenhagen to, uh, to launch women in product. So she came up with this idea and, um, it was supposed to happen now in March. Uh, unfortunately, I think it will be postponed, but the uh, online community is active now and there are um, more than 50 uh, females interested in joining the first uh, kickoff meeting. Um, and we're building a community around this because um, we should see representativeness and, and equal chances in, in all industries. And I think uh, this is just uh, one way to bring people together and discuss what can we do how can we improve our ecosystem uh, how can we improve our field and so on brilliant well i certainly congratulate you for for being so involved and um, from one person leading the community to another it's, it's great to hear um development in that space so um, that's brilliant thank you many 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 thanks to you too <laughs> it's been great to record with yourself uh, alexandra thank thanks so much it's definitely refreshing to go back to the topic title of back to basics and um i think sometimes in uh, in particularly bigger more corporate enterprise businesses we can forget about some of the healthy and hygienic basics that that you've talked to us about today that to be honest are some of the fundamentals of of software product management so thank you so much Thank you very much as well. It was a pleasure. And I, I hope that um, some other people will be inspired to join startups because it's hard, but it's also fun. And uh, everybody working in that sphere is probably very, very excited to build products that uh, people love. Indeed, indeed. And you sold it very well today. You made it sound so easy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Brilliant. Thank you to the audience for listening in on the podcast or watching on YouTube. Um, I hope you've really enjoyed this uh, podcast episode with Alexandra and I. If you have, please remember that all of this time is dedicated to raising awareness and funds for the bushfire-affected communities of Australia. If you do want to help out the cause, you can do so over at bushfire.productcoalition.com. Until the next remote podcast episode, thank you and goodbye. Goodbye.